Thank you, Andy. Thank you, worship team and ladies for singing that song. That was amazing. And it's Mother's Day, and I want to say happy Mother's Day. We wouldn't be here without you. Um, go ahead and take a minute to say happy Mother's Day to, to the moms you know that are around you. Go ahead. And I'm, gonna, I'm not around my wife anymore, but um, Sarah, happy Mother's Day. And I just wanted to tell you the story behind this tie. Uh, this tie is the first tie my wife Sarah ever made, and it was made out of scraps from the first dresses she ever made for her daughters. So this is a very special tie. I don't know what you just said, but you can tell me later. <laughs> it's a very special tie, and we, spe- we, we are celebrating very special people today. Uh, who are moms but those who have been our cooks, chauffeurs, custodians, bookkeepers, teachers, tutors, counselors, consultants, fashion designers, uh, cheerleaders, first responders, the ones who finished our school projects that we were supposed to finish, and I'm just getting started. We could go on and on. And I think that if you took all the full-time positions that a mom has earned, we're talking a $20 million person here. One of the most difficult jobs I've ever had is being a parent And among the most difficult moments in parenting are when mom is gone, and I have to kind of cover for all those roles. So we honor you moms and mother figures out there. Uh, Hopefully today is a day that you don't have to do any of those jobs unless you want to, Uh, and a day that you receive flowers or chocolate or whatever your uh, preference is as you rest. Uh, Sorry the weather isn't cooperating, uh, but let's see what God has for us despite the rainy day. Uh, Today we actually honor all of our women. That's going to be our theme and focus today, to honor all the women in the church of every age, of every life stage. And in doing so, we honor the God who made them. We honor how he made us as male and female. We honor the work that he does through us as male and female, as he does through women in the church. We honor the Jesus who died to redeem them and the Holy Spirit who works powerfully through them. And it's true, it's a true statement that sometimes the the biggest movements in history or biggest movements in the world turn on small hinges. I love this. The biggest movements in history turn on small hinges. And the faithful acts of obedience of individuals and individual acts are the small hinges on which major movements turn, on which lives are totally changed, on which cities are built and societies are established, and the world is changed. And that's what we see tonight, and that's what we see in our lives. And we're going to bring all these things together. We see this in three separate women in our text today that Andy just read, Exodus 2, 1 through 10. Open your Bibles if you haven't already to that, and if you didn't get a bulletin, Chris is here to give you a bulletin. It's got sermon notes, pens. Raise your hand if you need one of those from him. And those help you follow along. All right, we are prepared. Our hearts are prepared. Our laptops are prepared. Let's get into the Word of God, which the Holy Spirit works through today. After a five-week break from our Exodus series that we began in January, we we took a five-week break for Easter and then a four-week family dynamic series, which I think went very well. And uh, didn't we just scratch the surface of all the family dynamics that we could talk about? Those will be ongoing conversations until we get to heaven and, and everything is perfected. But 
And considering how to return to Exodus, where we left off was right at the epic story of the Red Sea crossing, and I thought, that's probably just not the best Mother's Day text, all Pharaoh's armies drowning in the sea. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) So what are we going to do? We're going to go back to Exodus 2, where God's word paints the picture of women as it does all throughout the Bible. The Bible puts women in a, in a, paints them in a light as heroes and gives them status that no other ancient writing does. And we've got to learn this about God's character and about us as humans as well. Let's quickly review the enormously important book of Exodus and then jump into where we are going to be today. As we come back to Exodus, remember it's the second book of the Bible. The Exodus story is foundational to the entire human race. It's where the worship of God was uh, born. God's chosen people had become, at this point, a, a nation of two to three million people. And it was under abject and oppressive slavery in Egypt. And the rest of the Bible points back to this part of the Bible as the central story in the Old Testament of God moving the world to freedom. And it sets up the ultimate part of God's big story and moving the world to freedom in Jesus Christ, the life, person, works, death, and resurrection of Jesus on the cross, which moves the whole world to freedom. We connect with the Israelites. We connect with their pain, with the harsh realities of the world. And then we connect with God's heart, which is to move the entire world to freedom. It just doesn't happen overnight. This is the story of the world, which we are very much a part of today. And today we see that God's plan to save an entire nation from slavery in Egypt will ultimately lead all the world's nations from spiritual slavery to Jesus. And the progression of this story turns on these small hinges of individuals and individual acts of great faith. So that's what we see today in these verses. We see three women whose acts of faith and honoring God are heroic examples for us to follow today. I love that these three women are from three different ages, three different nationalities, three different levels of social standing, because I want to emphasize that this is for everybody. This is for all of us. No matter what your background is, no matter who you are or how old you are, the situations that you're in right now, you are more important to God's great plan than maybe you even realize. So let's follow their examples today and see what God has to say for us. The first one is to follow the courage, the courage and creativity of Jochebed, Moses' mother. Courage and creativity. I'm going to start in the last verse of chapter 1. And, do the, and read the first two verses of chapter 2. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Let's enter the story here. This is the reprehensible command of Pharaoh to kill all the Hebrew baby boys by throwing them into the Nile. 
This is a death sentence on the people of Israel. This is enslavement turning into extermination of God's people. And God's not having that. He's going to raise the deliverer. And he raises the deliverer, as he always does, as a baby through a family, which he still does today. And guess what? This room is full of them. Anyone who would ever tell someone else the gospel of Jesus Christ is a deliverer that has been raised by God for that purpose. Remember that. This baby is Moses. And the key at this moment is that he has the right mother. We learn later in the book of Exodus that his mom's name is Jochebed, and his father is Amram. Now at this point, Pharaoh has tried everything to stop the Israelites from multiplying. 400 years earlier, there were 70 of them. Now there are 3 million of them, and they're, they're taking over. There's so many. He tried, to, he tried to make them as slaves, but that just made them um, even more fruitful. Then he tried to make the, his midwives kill their babies, but that didn't work. They just kept multiplying. Finally, he tells his army, okay, go and kill all the Hebrew baby boys. Throw them into the river. And so off the army went all throughout where the people of Israel lived. Now Moses, the deliverer, is born, and the greatest movement to freedom of the Old Testament is only possible because of the hinge of his faithful mom, of his mother's courage and her creativity. Pick up in verse 3. When she could hide him no longer... She took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. Let's fill in the story a little bit. Jochebed knew that she had to hide this child. For three months, you can imagine how she kept the baby hidden. That infant baby, anytime he cried, the cries were soft and she could nurse him, keep him quiet. If the army ever comes around looking for a baby or the neighbors are asking questions, so Moses stays hidden. But you know what happens to a baby when they're around three months old? That little cry starts to develop. It's not a little cry anymore. It becomes a loud cry, and she just knew that she couldn't keep hiding him that way. What's she going to do? So she takes a basket and waterproofs it. That's what the bitumen and pitch are four, they're like tar, and so she covers the little basket with this tar. It's the best that she could do. She probably checks out the door for the army to make sure that they're not coming. They're not there, so she puts them in the basket, and she sends them down the river, probably praying to God like crazy. Now, if you happen to be here back in January when we're, we're preaching through the book of Exodus, that's when we came and, and preached the whole chapter two in, in one day. We discovered something very cool about this little basket that carries Moses to safety. Here's a picture, just one of many, many pictures you can find of an artist's rendition. But we discovered that the word for basket here in the text is tabah. It's a Hebrew word, and it's the same word used for Noah's ark. It means ark. This is Moses' ark. And remember, we talked about that. These are the only two places in the entire Bible that this word appears. This little basket, the ark, and Noah's ark. Same word. 
And his mom covered this little basket with bitumen and pitch, just as Noah did the ark, to make it waterproof. Now that prompted, back in January, a discussion of, hey, we should take a field trip as a church to Kentucky to see the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum. And that gained some traction. And guess what? We have around 50 people signed up to go next month. And uh, knowing that this text was coming up today, we asked the hotel in Kentucky if they would extend our, uh, our time frame to get the hotel discount because it was going to expire last Thursday. And they did. They extended it to this Tuesday. So if you still want to sign up, it's June 7th and 8th. It's a Monday, Tuesday. I know that's difficult for some people. Uh, if you can't take that off, but this is the trip, and, we're, and we'd love to have you join. If you want to join, there's information in the foyer today, or you can sign up on our website until Tuesday. We would love to have you. So we're going to go check out the Ark, and surely those two facilities have plenty of stories about the Exodus as well. Now, when you picture Moses' mother, I hope that you don't picture her as weak and faithless and panicking, sending her baby off, just hoping for the best with no faith. Now, the picture we have here is of a, a woman with remarkable, amazing courage. How do I know? Because she even makes it into Hebrews 11 in the New Testament, the, hall, the chapter of faith, the hall of faith, we call it. If you've ever read that glorious chapter in the Bible, you come to this verse, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Don't you love that? By great faith, they were not afraid of the king's edict. They did this by faith in God's promises. They did this by faith that God was a more important king than the earthly authority. And they obeyed God over the earthly human authority when his rules were in disobedience to God's. They were not afraid of the king's edict. And we learn over and over in the testimony of Scripture that we don't need to fear anything if you fear God. If you don't fear God, you fear everything else. This is a life of serving, following the almighty God. Obedience to God is what matters. That means if you have to be in defiance of the law of the land, so be it. And it takes courage. Courage is lacking in this world. And God's people of all people should be bringing more courage to the world. That's why Moses' mom is an example for us all to follow. Now, this courage, courageous woman was creative as well. Jacobed figured the best way to care for her baby, which is what we do, we figure out the best ways. We're not perfect, but we pray for God for discernment and that God would give us creative eyes to see what meets the needs of the people around us. So she was a slave. She was trapped in any direction by land, so she resorted to sneaking to the Nile making an ark. It was a hard decision, but God gave her the eyes to see that, and she didn't fear. She did all she could, and she trusted God. Maybe this is an important word for some women here who are making hard decisions right now for their families or for their friends or people in our church that they're discipling or other family members. What we can do is follow the example of Jochebed and trust God, not fear, be courageous, pray for creativity, for discernment, for wisdom, and God will give you the eyes. Jesus even prays for that. Lord, give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Pray for that, and then you'll see the best things that you can do for God's glory, for our good. 
And I pray that for us all. The second exemplary woman is a young woman, Moses' sister, who teaches us even more about character which honors God. And so the second profile we have here is of Moses' sister. Follow the resolve and resourcefulness of Miriam, Moses' sister. The resolve. She's going to make it happen. And the resourcefulness. Follow along as I read verses 4 through 8. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. She recognized who it was. It was a a Jewish baby. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go! So the girl went and called the child's mother. This is a great story. Let's talk about Miriam. What do we know about Miriam? Miriam, Miriam, scholars guess, would be around six years old to somewhere in the early teen years. Somewhere around there. She is older than Aaron and Moses. So girls... Here today, I am especially talking to you right now. Miriam is often listed in in Scripture along with Moses and Aaron for the rest of their lives. She's a big part of this family, and you are a big part of your family. And this little girl's resolve and resourceful actions here help lead God's people to freedom. And they help move the entire world to freedom. Your faithful actions make a big impact. Now, she was probably nervous, maybe scared, approaching an Egyptian, that's their slave masters, royalty, but she wasn't intimidated. Nope, she was not going to give up. She looked very intently, thinking, what can I do for my little brother? She stood at a distance to know what would be done to him, the text says. I'm glad we have lots of kids that attend our services and are a part of this church family. I have six of them. We make our contribution here. And I want to tell all the kids of our church, do you see the remarkable things that you can do? Do you see the remarkable things that you can do and the ways that God can use you to to make powerful things happen in the world? One of our daughters said to me just yesterday that she would do even more for Jesus if more opportunities were given to her. That made me stop and think. Are we giving enough challenge and enough opportunities for our very capable kids? We're just in an American culture that kind of delays adulthood until much much further in their life than most of the ancient world. And and I I would like to raise the bar on, uh, on, on our view of the capability of our kids. Once they're believers, once they've been baptized, they proclaim their faith to the world. We need to disciple them as Christians. And see the impact that God can make in their schools, in their neighborhoods, to adults, for God. So parents, as we use our homes for hospitality, are you using your kids and grandkids and getting them involved 
in that ministry. As you serve in any ministry that you're a part of or anything that you do, can you take your kids or grandkids or other kids and train them up and use them? They're, they're incredibly influential. Raising the bar for our kids might just be what they need. Now, kids, Miriam is old enough to carry out her God-given plan, and you are too. Miriam knew the right thing to do, and she had the resolve to do it and the resourcefulness to do it. She approached an adult, a royal adult, and said, excuse me, ma'am, should I go to somebody who could maybe help nurse this little child? And she's playing a role in God's plan that was bigger than she even knew. So kids, will you do what God wants you to do, even if no one else around you is? Helping someone who's being bullied, being a friend to somebody that doesn't have friends, This is what Christians do. This is what we need to do. This is what changes the world. Guiding someone that you know that doesn't know Jesus yet so they can receive his freedom. Parents, mission agencies will tell you that the number one thing that keeps young people off the mission field from going overseas to preach Jesus is parents who don't want them to go. Think about that. Are you willing to train up your children in the way they should go to follow God and explore his calling in their lives with them and encourage them to follow him no matter what that looks like? I pray that the kids and adults are encouraged with these words. So the characteristics of strong women and girls so far that we've seen from these first two portraits are courage and creativity, resolve and resourcefulness, In this hard, hard world, we do it because who else is going to? It's what God saved us for, for his glory, for the world's good. Our third and final example is this. Follow the risk-taking and sacrifice of Pharaoh's daughter, Moses' adopted mom. The risk-taking and sacrifice. Our last three verses are verses 8 through 10. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman, that's mom, took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Isn't this the best vindication story ever of all time? I just love it. Moses' mom was paid by Pharaoh's daughter, by the daughter of the king who's trying to kill the Israelites. And she's going to raise up the deliverer, getting paid to do it, the deliverer who will deliver the people from this king that's trying to kill them. It's It's the best. Let's look at Pharaoh's daughter a little bit more closely. We don't really know what sort of risks that she took, but just think about the situation she was in. She was disobeying her dad, the king, and that's a dangerous thing to do in most of the world history. This king's law was an impassioned law, dangerous thing for her to do. Whatever the danger was for her and the risk that she was willing to take, this was a sweet, kind, maternal risk-taking, sacrificial, 
and honorable thing that the princess did. She knew this was a Jewish baby. She knew people were watching her. She had a ton of pressure on her, but she embraced compassion. Whatever the risk, she cared for a helpless child. Many in here have done that as well, and God may be calling others to do that in the future. One of the greatest takeaways from Pharaoh's daughter is that your family background is not your destiny. You may be the child of awful parents or even evil people and still be called out, loved by God, redeemed and transformed by him, used mightily by him. Another application, a little bit more specifically to the time that we live in, is that the Department of Child Services, DCS, in our country, actually looks for single ladies to foster children who have bad backgrounds of abuse by men. Whatever the, the situation is, if you are called into this kind of care of fostering, giving respite care, or adoption, our church is prepared to walk with anyone through that process now. I'm so glad to be able to say that. If that's possibly your calling and you need some guidance or support, let the office know. Pray and, and let the office know and we'll walk with you through that. A lot of you women here today are in a very busy season of life. That's just kind of the American culture. We're all always busy with kids or without kids. It can seem like making a difference for God in the world is something that you hope to do sometime in the future. Right now, you're just trying to get four hours of sleep. I know people can resonate with that. I don't know what God is up to in, in your life. Some of you, I have an idea. What's he going to do through your life? But I, I do know a few things. I know that you're loved by God. I know that you're valued by God and by us. And I know that you're called by God to be a small hinge on which lives can be changed by your small acts of faithfulness. Or maybe they're large acts of faithfulness. God's great unfolding story of the world's redemption, including its culmination on the cross and including its fulfillment when all the nations of the world come to freedom in Christ, are carried along by women especially in taking care of children. Girls, women, moms, mother figures, you may not see the end from where you are now, but hang in there. Take every step worshiping God, knowing that you are a part of his plan. And the things that you do for him are for the good of his people, for the good of your family, for the protection of kids. That's right, let that mama bear come out when it needs to. I'm okay with that. That's good. Those little steps are good for the discipling of the next generations. They're good for the growth of Jesus' church. They're good for the glory of Jesus' name. Stay faithful and obedient to God, trusting him, confident, courageous every step of the way. Little acts, God used a little ark. Big acts of faith, God used a big ark. What is his calling for you is is good. Follow him. Next week, we're going to be returning to our Exodus series where we left off, chapter 13, in the middle of chapter 13. The Red Sea crossing. It's a massive part of the story. It's an epic part of the story. 
Uh, hope you don't miss it. Hope you can be back here for that. It's the peak of excitement, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But today, though, we honor the women among us. So our first next step today is, number one, all of us, honor the women in your life extremely well today, okay? Whatever that takes, honor them even more than you had already anticipated when you got up this morning, okay? We'll be in good shape if we do that. Number two next step for today is believe in Jesus and be, and be set free today. It's fascinating. If you, if you haven't trusted Christ, hear this message more than anything else, and then everything else makes sense as you become spiritually alive and set free. But it's fascinating when you compare Moses and Jesus. Jesus say, faced the same thing. Moses was a type, a foreshadow of the coming Messiah, Jesus. He faced the same thing, a tyrannical king. It was Herod who ordered the baby boys be killed, but his parents obeyed God. And just as God delivered Moses so that he could deliver the nation of Israel into freedom, God delivered Jesus so that he could, 1,400 years later, Jesus could deliver all the nations of the world into freedom, everyone who will ever trust him. If you haven't yet today, personally, personally given your life to Christ, you are not made alive yet in him and not set free yet in him. Feel the weight of standing on, in the condemnation of God's holiness. But feel the weight of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you on the cross and in his, resur in his resurrection. Trust him and receive him as your Savior. You'll be set free today. Free from all sins, all condemnation, all guilt. If you want to do that today, write that on your communication card or come and talk to me. You can do that right now in your seat talking to God himself. And then next up, number three, God saves us so that we can bring the good news of freedom in Jesus to other people. Let's all be the hinge that sets others free. My prayer is that, and this is a big one, everyone, everyone who God has put into your life and mine will hear the gospel. We might be the hinge that sets their lives to freedom. That's God's calling. That's why he saved us. God redeems the past. As it's been said already today, if this is a painful day, God redeems the past. He's a God of the future, not of the past. He forgives, washes, redeems the past so you can have influence in this world that maybe you've never even imagined. That's God's word today. Here's how we do it. Be courageous. Be creative. Be resolute. Be resourceful. Be risk-taking. Be sacrificial. And we are moving this world to freedom. Let's pray and respond to God with our lives.